Support for this podcast is provided by Cosmic, a Portland-based agency consisting of technologists, storytellers, and strategists who help nonprofits and B Corps quickly grow revenue and impact. Start growing your mission-driven organization with Cosmic at AmplifyPDX.com. Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. Uh, I have a person as a guest today that I've been looking forward to the conversation. We first connected maybe about a year ago just to, to get to know each other a little bit. And since then, he has got accolades, getting some recognition he deserves here in the community. So Lakiana Drury, who's the founder and executive director of Word is Bond. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me, Dan. You bet. So again, like I mentioned, looking forward to you know recording our conversation uh, since the last time we we chatted. So a good place to start is you know people who don't know what Word is Bond is. Can you just tell us a little about the origin story of it and the, the mission? Yeah. So yeah, man, there's so much that to be said about <laughs> that. So our our organization works with young black men and does empowerment specifically in the age range of young men to young adults, which is the critical time in takeout race, just like in, in your development yeah. as human beings, right? But then when you add the layer of race, especially in this country, it's a particularly vulnerable time. Uh, and so our organization provides that guiding point for young men to be exposed to their blackness and to see black people, especially black men in successful positions, especially when you're in a city like Portland that is predominantly white. So finding black faces is not something that you can just do the way you could in Chicago or, or DC. Um, but even in those cities, right? Like seeing successful black faces and in a variety of fields, is hard to do. And the most, yeah. the most often point that young black men see other black men is through a screen on TV, on Instagram. So um, that's where our organization does. We have a summer internship program, which is where, that's where our organization started. It's a, it's a seven week rite of passage program. It's three years long. And then through the school year, we do mentoring, we do um, like civic engagement, outdoor leadership, the whole nine yards. That's kind of what we do. Do you want me to go into like how we got started or? Let's do it. Yeah. And I, I pre, we're going to dig into a lot of those things you mentioned. I let, you are the founder of it. So I'd love for you to share your yeah. story and how it kind of came. Yeah. About. So, so it, it started in the summer of 2017, which was my first, uh, first summer, actually it was my second summer in Portland, but I, I came here in the spring slash summer of 2016. And in coming here, I wanted to work at a, 
uh, I was a, I was a teacher at the time and I wanted to work at a school that focused on a particular type of student that was not, not succeeding in the traditional school system. And that's, that's mm. what my experience was growing up. I graduated high school with a 2.3 GPA and I had to claw, climb and have people push behind me to get me finally into a college and finally to find my path. And so I really identify with those types of students. And so I found Rosemary's in high school and the CEO of the school is black. So that was really cool for me to be able, cause that's like an important thing. Just like an important feature is like, I want, I want my personally to be surrounded by people of color. And so, so he's black, his name is Joe McFerrin. And I remember the first day I got introduced to him, he, uh, I went into his office and I just thought it was going to be like the greatest thing ever. Like, Hey, here's a black, here's me as black teacher. I'm at your organization. Okay. And he just, he just kind of looked at me. I don't have it right now, but he gave me a book and he's like, go read this book. And I was just so off put by that. I'm like a book. Like, I want to talk <laughs> to you. Like you're the CEO. I'm trying to, I want to like talk to you and see how you got here and all this stuff. And, and so like, I just made it my personal mission that year that, that I was going to make sure he knew who I was. There's like a hundred employees, mm. there's four campuses. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, you know, first year teacher. And so I, I just really worked with my students and did as many activities as I could and made sure that they got to his attention. And it, it was, it was a challenge too. Cause I also thought that just being a black teacher was just like the past when you go to like into the classroom when you got like half the students are black, but like that wasn't a pass. And it was still kind of like, well, who are you? And like, why should, why should, why are you any different than any other teacher or any other person that's come into my life? And a lot of these students, they've, they've seen people coming out of their lives. So it took me like halfway through the school year before a student even stayed in my classroom after the bell rang. Mm. It was literally like January before one student finally ever was like, all right, like I'm going a, I'm to a stick around. And so anyways, fast forward this, that spring, we, there was the uh, attack on the Max um, where those, the two black women were harassed and these right. three guys confronted this dude and the dude ended up killing two of the three guys. And my students knew the girls who were, who were, who were confronted originally. And so we went to the max station and we wrote chalk and just kind of like hmm. made a positive day out of like really tragic and dark event. And that was kind of like, that was kind of like what I wanted to do as a teacher, like kind of like find ways to impact social justice, racial justice and things of that nature. So I feel like that kind of event is like the hallmark of like who I was as a teacher and the CEO, he saw that. And then like maybe a month later, I got uh, one of the staff members said, like, the CEO wants to talk to you. And, and he was like, hey, I'm working with this group of community members and they want to they want to do a pilot project or like a summer program around connecting youth and police. Okay. I was already going to Europe for the whole summer. I had I scraped up every dollar I had as a, as a first year teacher. So I'm like 75 percent the way paid for this trip for myself to go to Europe and spend my summer like traveling around the country, the countries over there. Mm -hmm. And so I went to this meeting out of just kind of like respect, like, you know, this guy's said, like, I want you to come to this thing. And the CEO is not hitting up everybody. So I'm like, all right, let me go. And I'm also trying to figure out like, how do I tell him I can't do it without <laughs> disappointing him? Sure. You know, cause I always have a hard time saying no to things. Like that's always my challenge, still a challenge of mine. So I go to this meeting, I walk into this room at this golf course on the east, northeast side of Portland and really overwhelmed. I walk in a room because it's like this boardroom 
with like all of these people that look like, they look like CEOs. And I'm like, first year teacher, you know, and I'm like, dang, like I don't have any credentials to my name. And how old are you? Look, I was, I was 27 at the time. Okay. And my, but my teaching career, my just professional career was like, just like kind of taken off, you know? So I'm not, I don't have like anything to my name, really. I ain't, I've never done anything that you could be like, yeah, this is, this is something. And, and, and just the perception of them was mostly white folks, a couple of black guys, mm-hmm. and they proceeded to lay out this, this idea they have to connect youth and police together. And they have all these resources. There's this cop in here and he's like, I got access to training facilities and airplanes and boats and GoPro cameras. Um, and this other woman, she works with this outdoor leadership program that has ropes courses. Hmm. And I'm sitting here remembering all the stories I had from the year of like, I'm a high school teacher. I'm used to fighting over a box of pencils for my classroom. So to hear, sit in this room and hear all these people just casually naming off resources that they have. And they want, they want somebody to create a curriculum and, and recruit the youth. And the CEO of my school, he's the one who's going to then bankroll the whole thing. And so like halfway through the meeting, they're still trying to figure out, should we do this this summer or not? And I'm like, oh, you should definitely do it. And, and I will cancel this trip to Europe and I will, I will, wow. I'll, I will leave this, this project. And so, and they were really surprised. But the other thing that was really interesting was they really seemed to believe in me. And that was really interesting because it was like, y'all don't know me. Like you've never seen me do anything. Like where, mm. where is that sense of belief coming from? And maybe it was just what I was saying or just my demeanor. I don't know. But long story short, we, we, that was the, that was the, that was like the first step of what, what would become Word is Bound. So we did that, that, that summer. It was, it went really well. And I focused just on young black men. I said, I want to recruit just young black men for this project because if we're working with the police, no group has more adverse experiences than young black men. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then that fall after the program wrapped up, I approached the CEO of my school and I was like, I want to turn this into a nonprofit. Hmm. Not knowing a what the heck that really <laughs> all involves, sure, and then b just like I kind of had this feeling like he was going to want to keep the program within the school's kind of like areas arenas, but then to my surprise, he was like, "Let's do it." And so I, I became the executive director, and then he basically mentored me for the next three years as I kind of like got it off the ground. And then in 2019, I quit my teaching position to just go do word is bond full time with no salary. Just like Mm. I'm in my, my studio apartment, like grinding it out. So that's, that's how basically it got started. And so it would have been like 2016 that was kind of started maybe a little before 2017. And then yes, summer of 2017, then 18, then 19 and 19 is when I left teaching altogether. Yeah. Well, let's dig in a little bit to, you know, the mission on, on young black men, what's the age kind of range if there is one? I mean, and especially as you were saying, Portland is pretty <laughs> unique. It's not the right word. It's like, we've been through a lot of the past five years that I want, we'll get into, but how was the reception to reaching out to the community to get folks in, into the program? Yes. Especially knowing, uh, sorry to interrupt you, like kind of especially knowing that you're going to be working with the police, right? Yeah. So, so the age range was 16 to 19 years old. That was the initial range. It's okay. actually just, uh, well, 16 to 21. And that was, um, and then it's kind of shifted now. It's like 15 to 19. Okay. But 
regardless of that. So recruiting, so when we first started, our program was heavily focused on the law enforcement component, almost entirely. Everything kind of revolved around that, um, including our mission statement and everything else. And so it took some finagling with the youth because nobody's doing a backflip off the couch to come work with the police. Yeah. Um, we pay the youth. That was a huge incentive. All, all youth want to be paid. <laughs> they mm-hmm. need summer jobs. Um, so that was also it. But then also, I, I think my approach too helped. Like, I feel like I was able to create a sense of trust or like, I, I'm going to, I got y'all on this because it's like, there's a, there could be a real tendency for this to go really wrong if we're not coming in here with the right intentions. Like if your idea is just like, we're going to put these young black men in front of these police and it's about like what they're doing wrong and how they need to respect the police, like it would fall apart very, very quickly. And so like, that was my mission was like really to make sure these young men felt safe. And then that we helped the police officers that were participating understand what their role is. And we made some mistakes mm-hmm. over the years that make me cringe. It's some of the activities we did or just some of the ways like, you know, we, we have to, we had to continue to refine it to get it to a point. But like one thing that was clear to me, like from day one is like, this, this is not an optics program. This mm-hmm. is not a program where you're going to come in and like take some pictures of the youth and like smile and act like everything's okay. And it really needs to be led by these young black men. Um, and so with that understanding, I was able to recruit youth from that perspective and, you know, find youth that really could benefit from the program, especially the ones that have the most challenging views on law enforcement. Our program has expanded and really changed since then, but that was the initial kind of outlook of it. Yeah. Thanks for answering that question. And, um, and it, you know, just getting to know you just a, a little bit, I, I can uh, see how they would have that trust with you and like the intentions were, were right, you know? Yeah. So, Thank you. So, you know, here we are 20, what year is it? 2022, <laughs> <laughs> right in between. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's evolved. So I want to learn more about, you know, some of the work you've done this year. I think I, I, I've seen you've t- taken a group to DC so talk about some of the programs that are, are new or some of the things you're, you're going to do next year too. Yeah. So, so word is bond. I feel like we're hitting our, in the equivalent of like our teenage years where we're starting to really come into ourselves and really find out who we are and what kind of organization we want to be. And the law enforcement component was always a challenging piece for me because of my own views, my own experiences. I'm not like, Every year I get these young black men together, I have to ask myself, what are we doing? Am I, am I, in, am I helping you by engaging with these law enforcement officers? Is it making a difference? Because for every year you said the program, between the last summer's program, 15 people being shot and killed by police and all these things. And then you have to be the representative and then you have to put your own personal views like on the side and try and be like a leader between these two groups. So I've been really trying to figure out like what, what, where does the law enforcement component come in? And, and what I have uh, come to the decision of based on feedback and just observation and running this for the last five years is that law enforcement is a component, but it's not going to be a, the face of the program or the, the main direction. Because as young black men, we are more than just police stories. And a lot of the motivation behind Word is Bond comes from my own lived experiences as a young black man 
and my observation of other black men and just knowing how challenging it is. So we just created a brand new mission statement. And our, our original mission statement was something along the lines of building positive relationships between young black men and law enforcement. Like that was our first mission statement. Okay. And I remember this grandmother of, of a boy in Portland, young man in Portland, shot and killed by the police. She messaged me on Instagram or Facebook one day. And she said, that's a terrible mission statement. And so uh, we shifted it from that to like rewriting the narrative between young black men and law enforcement. But that still never 100% sat with me. And just in the last month, I found the mission statement that I feel really fits what we're trying to do. And we haven't even put it out there yet, but I'll share it with you. Right. It's what if young black men were empowered to their fullest potential? Mm. And what I love about that mission statement, I'll say one more time, what if young black men were empowered to their fullest potential? Is that first of all, it's a question. And if there's anything that I love to do is to throw things on their head. And so to take the standard mission statement, which is supposed to be this statement of sorts, right? And to ask a question instead, just for me, revolutionizes what our mission statement is. And that's really the essence of our program. Like, what if young black men were empowered to their fullest potential? What could they become? And every day that we come into Words Bond, that's the question we seek to answer. And there's nothing, there's no fancy buzzwords in that. Mm. There's, 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 almost, there's not even anything really you can argue with. It's not even like, well, I don't like that. It's like, it's a question that, that stretches our imagination. What could be in for every mm. young man that comes in our program, we get to test that question to them and see how many resources can we pour into this young man to see how far that he can get. And there's no limit to it. So when we have that mission statement, that mission statement to me, like inspires me so much and just feels like it matches our name, Word is Bond, because that name is very unique too. And I feel like we mm -hmm. needed a mission statement that was gonna be equally unique. And, and things about law enforcement or racial justice or so like they just, they just, they, they just wouldn't do it just, we just like any other organization. I want Word is Bond to be unique. I want it to revolutionize every space that is programming, nonprofits and things of that nature. And so along with that goes the programming that we do. And so this next summer, we are launching an international trip called the Black Star Homecoming Expedition which will send 15 young black men from Portland to Ghana for a 16 day leadership trip. And oh, wow. that, that was a goal of mine like three, four years ago. And every summer we get, we, we have every summer, like we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But then last summer I was looking at summer 2023 and I'm like, y'all, I think <laughs> we can pull this off next summer. And always, right. We, we have to stretch ourselves. And anybody who's around me is always like, Lacan is going 20 million miles. And I, and I am right. Like a lot of people would look at that trip and say, it's just not possible. And I look at it and say, it's, it's right there. I can, I can almost, it's like the moon to me. I can almost mm. touch it. So that's, that's where our goal is for next summer. We'll be going back to DC. And I just think that each year of the programming, we continue to grow. We continue to make it better, get better at what we do and get closer to essence of what we want to do, which is really to impact young black men on a, on a large and revolutionary scale. Well, thanks for sharing the new mission. I, I love that. And I love that it's posed as a question. Um, let's talk about the kind of the community support 
I mean, you're someone who does the work sounds like heads down. You've been reckoning at 40 under 40. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. It's probably also a little uh, kind, kind of like you, nothing against a 40 under 40, but it's like a community that may be a little bit like different. It's yeah. business. It's, hey, I'm in the business community, but it's a little more buttoned up. Yeah. And I love to see you getting the recognition because it's important for them to get outside some of these traditional things, lanes they've been in. But how's the community kind of rallied around you? Because, you know, you're a nonprofit, you rely on donations, grants. And so that's where I, I was hoping to talk about, is that paying off? Are people rallying around you to support your organization or is, is it still trying to get out there and and see? Both and, both and. I'll tell you that the, the turning point to all of this was the murder of George Floyd. And it's, it's so unfortunate because up until that point, there was always this like, well, why young black men? And why not all youth of color? Why not black girls? Why not hmm. underprivileged youth? And then once George Floyd was murdered, nobody ever asked me again, why young black men? It all of a sudden became very evident. It became clear. It became uh, a financial priority. So donations, grants, like the entire like philanthropic landscape shifted towards black voices and black stories and black everything. So, so that's, that's one view of how it's been from, I, I've always felt very supported by the community in Portland, even when we were like more heavily law enforcement, which was like, you want to talk about navigating a minefield because Portland mm. has a very large um, protest scene in general and very liberal and open. So it's like, it's, it's not like, you know, and then with, with George Flipping where like the police thing was like even like more compounded. So it was like, it was really a navigation of like, how do we find our voice and like, not like strike the wrong tones with all of the stuff that's going on. So mm. it's, it's been a mixed bag. Overall, I feel 100% support. I think that there's also been like, th there's so like, and there's a lot of different groups, right? Like from law enforcement perspective, from the officers that participated, they've, they've always been like, this is a program where I see value in it. It's mm -hmm. been harder at the law enforcement agency's heads because it can be very different, like how they're seeing things. But I've been very welcomed by them too. In a lot of surprising ways, like I go to see small city, like, oh man, this is going to go terrible. And a police chief, I'm like, wow, that guy's actually really decent guy, like I, you know, or whatever. So, so it's been a mixed bag. I, I, I faced racism with this. I faced a lot of white folks that felt like they could tell me better than I could tell about young black men and about the mm -hmm. direction and how we should engage with the police and people that felt like, you know, oh, well, if you're going to engage police, this is how it's going to be. Or, you know, these are the things you should talk about and these are the topics you shouldn't. And I'm looking at them like, how, oh, you, you, you can tell me better than me as a black man who's lived this, how this is going to be done. So it's, you know, it's mm. a, it's a frustration and it's a game of politics. So you got to sometimes like bite your tongue. There's time where you're just like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just say what I really want to say. But you know, you got to like, you got to keep it together. But re really just inspires me as the young men in our program. Like they're just, they're so incredible and so different and diverse. Like when we say young black men, we just think, well, it's just all one type of person. But there's so many experiences of being a young black man in Portland, young mm -hmm. men that have had 
very terrible experience with the police. Some that have like, I've never seen a police car roll down my street. Some mm. that are like, I already got my three colleges picked out and, and I've been accepted to five other ones. Some that are like, man, I don't even know if I'm showing up to school today. Um, I got a backpack full of pencils and books. I got a gun in, in that in my backpack. So it's like all different experiences. And when they come in our program, like they just thrive because they're surrounded by other young men that are like themselves. They don't got to explain who they are or be the only person. And they get to meet other young black men. And so like, I see them hanging out with each other outside of the program. And that makes me happy. Like, oh yeah, me and so-and-so were just at the park who been, or they FaceTime me from the gym. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. Mr. Drury, what's up? Or like, when's the next event going on? So it's like that even through all the emotional ups and downs of building an organization, like that's what's like keeps me going. And it's like, I'm starting to kind of like realize like the bigger impact that this is going to make. Cause I'm starting to see them get older right in front of me. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, like in 10 years, we're going to have some crazy stories. I'm going to be seeing some people like, yo, remember when I was in the program? And like, so I just feel like to be able to build that kind of legacy and leave that yeah, just feels really good. Yeah. You're doing important work and, you know, to get back to we started the conversation, you're focused, you know, young black men and just not to take away from that, but just young men in general, it's a hard time. 100%. So when you, and like you said, it's, it's a great perspective. Everybody, even within that community, everybody's really diverse in their interests and what to do. And one thing I'm always, you're surrounded by these people that are in that age group. I'm always curious about, I have kids that are a lot younger, but how are they doing? How are they feeling about Portland? the world or opportunities specific to being a young black man in, in Portland. And, and I know that's a big, broad question. I don't want to like pin you down or anything, but it's, I think it's important for people to know, like, how are they feeling about things? I think it's, it's split. It's, it's like, we can't even go through all the stuff that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Like I, sometimes they'll say something to me and I'll be like, let's, let's, let's tackle that. And they'll be like, it's not worth it because it's too big. Like I remember some, a couple of times last summer, like some of the students were telling some things that some of their teachers were saying to them. And I was like, they said that to you. And I was, they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, let's go tackle it. And they're like, Mr. Dre, it's not even worth it. Like it's, it's, it's too big of an issue and it's happening so often. Like that's not even the worst story that happened to me. So I feel like there's a lot mm-hmm. of like things that they absorb as blacks, students that, that they shouldn't have to, but it's like, you know, you want to talk about microaggressions. They're getting like microaggression hailstorms daily, you know? Mm. So I think that there's a sense, it's a mixed bag. Some of them look out and they're like, I'm determined to make something of myself. And when they find this program, they find like kind of a launch pad to do some of those things to like see colleges that they want to see or meet Black entrepreneurs and executives at Nike that they want to work at. Some of them look at the city and they, they're like, it's, it's a, it's a lost cause. I was talking to one of my guys yesterday and he's like, I'm tired of seeing all my friends shot every, and I was like, who? And he's like, everybody, kids I went to school with, kids that were older than me, kids that were younger than me. So like they're seeing and experiencing so much, but Despite all of that, I see a lot of hope for what, what they want to do. And that like, that gives me the inspiration, let that, that they can do stuff. Like even the ones that are succeeding, like 
Uh, we have this young man in our program this summer, and he's like, I never seen any young black men, uh, not young black men, but uh, like black men being successful. And so I think that's one thing that our program has provided because he's at a private school. He's doing well academically. So on paper, you might look at him and be like, well, what does he need? But he's not seeing, he's a black man. He's not seeing adult versions of him. And so that's something that we're able to bring. So, mm. you know, I've got guys on every end of the spectrum, ones that I'm concerned I'm going to get a call and they're going to have something very terrible have happened to them. I got some that I'm like, I already know you're heading to college next year and I can't wait to come visit. I had a guy two summers ago when George Floyd was murdered, he was the first young man to sign up in our program. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be dope. Then George Floyd was murdered and he told me, he's like, I don't wanna do the program anymore. And I didn't have a strong connection with him because he was, he was brand new. So it's not like I had a year where I could really know who he is and figure out like the angle to hit him at mm -hmm. to kind of like bring him around. But I, I basically like, when he said that, when he said he wanted to quit, we hadn't even started. And like, that made me want him in our program. I'm like, Ooh, I now I, I wanted you before now. I really, really want you. And so I, I talked to him and shared about like what the program is and like the larger scope of not just law enforcement and like that this is an opportunity to create a brotherhood. And I told him, I said, give it a week. Think about it. I don't need an answer right now on the phone. And he was like, okay. And then he came back about a week later and he said, Mr. Dre, I want to do the program. And he ended up excelling in it and he loves podcasts. And we wrote these poetry books and he got to go on OPB on the podcast and share one of his poems. Awesome. And I just thought that that was such a dope experience of what he could do. And then the next summer he's, he's from East Africa. He bring us like six or seven young East African men to do the program next year, this past summer. So all of his cousins and friends did the program. And then this fall, uh, he's at the University of Oregon. He he just told me that he's going to be accepted into one of the Divine Nine fraternity, Black fraternities. And his ceremony is on Saturday and he invited me to come. And I just oh. felt like that was such a special invitation to get and just shows the journey that that these young men are on and like how we continue to impact. And he was just in here like two weeks ago on Friday, right before Thanksgiving, he came back from college and wanted to visit and came with one of the other young men that he recruited for the next summer. So it's just like, it's a family and it's like, we're building things. And so you just, so to answer long story short to your question, our guys are thriving in some circumstances, despite everything, but it's a, it's a heavy burden that they have to carry on their shoulders. And if we, if we drained the whole thing and looked at all the stuff that they're having to swim through, mm. it would be a lot. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so before we go, where can folks find out more about Word is Bond, maybe where they can support it? Um, love for you to share that. Yeah. So mywordisbond.org is our website. It's got every single program that we do, all our staff bios, a bunch of videos you can watch. We got like a digital archive with writings from the youth. Uh, there's a donation link on there so people can support that. We, we, we're in Give Guide right now, which is the local giving campaign here in Portland through Willamette Week. We have a $50,000 goal and the funds will be split between, between our trip to DC this spring break, which will take 13 young men to DC for a seven day public policy and historically black college tour and leadership experience. And then our Black Star Homecoming expedition, which happens in July, which will take 15 young men to, to Ghana. And that program is all of our senior leaders. So these are guys that have been in our program for two, three, sometimes even four years. So that's what's coming up. 
I'll also plug that in February, we'll be doing our In My Shoes walking tours again. I know a lot of folks enjoyed going on the tours. It's those that didn't, don't know about it. We lead these tours to the young men's communities and they get to tell their story about their experience growing up across Portland. So we'll have about 12 mm. tours of that. And then if you want like just fun stuff, go on our Instagram page. Like you can check out videos and, you know, just all the more like engaging things of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. That's great. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, appreciate everything you're doing. It's important work here. Thank you so much, Dan, for giving me the platform to share what we're doing. Thank you. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.